Welcome to American Steel, another episode here on American Steel. I'm Mike Steele, your host. Always with me is Clayton. Clayton, how are you tonight? I'm doing well, Dr. Steele. How are you? Doing well. And tonight it's just uh, you and I on the podcast. It is. Yeah. And I'm happy about that because uh, we have a great dialogue on and off uh, radio. And, um, you know, we've got some other guests lined up. But uh, I'm kind of glad that it's just uh, the two of us tonight. I think it's going to be fun. I think there's a lot of things we can talk about. And, um, you know, one of the things, obviously, you're you're an educator. You're a principal. Um why don't we talk about some of the positive things going on with education locally? Look, when I got to Tennessee uh, 13 years ago, um, I was um, kind of typecast because of my background in uh, what what the State Department told me was the worst, most unsafe high school in Tennessee. And it didn't take long to realize that that was not true. Uh, yeah, the leadership there had allowed things to occur, and there was a lot of complacency in the building. Um, and I want to talk about that later because someone had called me uh, last week and asked me to answer this question on the air, why do people fail? And I'll get to that in the last segment of tonight's episode of American Steel. But the, the truth is, if you're out there listening to American Steel, the truth of the matter is is that there are 99% great things happening in all schools, and then there's 1% things happening that you hear about. So was there a fight today? Uh, there was a little fight today, and then sometimes that gets blown up into, well, there was a big fight at the school, so the school must be unsafe. Nothing can be further from the truth. A- absolutely. I mean, I can remember in high school, occasionally there would be a fight. You sure. know, I mean, that, that, that's... You're dealing with children. Well, why wouldn't there be a fight? This is a question. I mean, you're, some some schools have over a thousand students, a hundred teachers. You're talking about a small city, right? Uh, that's bigger than some of the cities in Tennessee. And so, if you could look on the look on the news every night, you can see some road rage, some fight, somebody arguing. It's part of uh, the process of education. Uh, and you know, I'm happy to say that I don't see that a lot on my daily on, on my daily job. I don't see that a lot, so I'm very happy about that. Now, what you find across the across the globe, you can find it anywhere. You can find where. There is a lack of capacity in all aspects or many aspects of the building, the school building itself, that kind of perpetuates those kind of events. So if if you build your capacity to reduce those events, those events are eventually reduced. Sure. Yeah. Well, and I, I think the way that those things are handled now are different than it was when I was in high school 20 years ago. Uh, you know, there was a fight. You got separated. You got taken to the principal's office. You probably got a paddle paddling. Uh, you got a phone call to your parents, and then you went back to class. And it's changed. I mean, what what are, what are your thoughts about how we've kind of evolved? I mean, my senior year of high school, there were seniors getting paddled uh, by my uncle, who was an administrator. Uh, but that's gone away now. What, what, what are your thoughts about the way we've kind of transitioned the way we discipline kids? Yeah, well, the paddling certainly worked with me growing up. It, same uh, here. <laughs> yeah, it worked with me. I mean, Mr. Giordano, I was in the 7th and 8th grade, Bellevue Middle School, Tallahassee, Florida. It's ironic that I remember Mr. G, right? Yeah. Well, he's yeah. the one that tore my ass up all the time. Mm-hmm. And it was almost what I thought would end up being daily. As I zeroed in on trying to be – trying not to get paddled. I wouldn't say I was zeroing in on being a better kid because I was just young. I was just being a kid. Um, you know, I could go back into my background, my parents, or lack of consistency in that arena. Uh, not tonight, but I was not the best kid. But I wasn't a mean spirit, right? But he, that was his way of discipline. It was a, it was a lick up to five licks. Mm-hmm. 
And I remember him, and I'm thankful for him. Years later, fast forward years later, I go back to the Leon County, Florida uh, school district to do a training for them. And lo and behold, who's the superintendent, Mr. Giadano? And he remembered me. Uh, and he was sitting with a guy named Bill Mumford, who is a, uh, a Hall of Fame educator in Tallahassee, Florida. And Bill Mumford remembered me because I went up to his high school when he was a principal of the high school. And he said, yeah, I remember paddling you also. So the way we discipline kids now is a little bit of an overreaction uh, based on school safety and those kind of things. There, there, there tends to be like uh, if there's a fight, there tends to be a, a, a quick uh, – Point where we're trying to get law enforcement involved or those kind of things as opposed to just kind of uh, dealing with the situation. Well, why were y'all fighting? Well, we were in the gym and we had a fight over about over a basketball game. Yeah. Okay, you guys cool now? Yeah, we're cool now. And they kind of give each other a high five, go back to class. In my, yeah. in my opinion, sometimes that doesn't, that doesn't deserve anything or need anything other than just a phone call to the parent. You know, you don't have to suspend them. You don't have to do a bunch of stuff. Right. And then also, in my opinion, I mean, there's here's what you run into. So I would love if they brought paddling back. And people say, well, you can still paddle kids in school. Uh, and in many districts, it's still allowable, but it's it's not uh, it's not permitted. Right. Uh, but what what ends up happening is you, you have some somebody out there that's just going to abuse that power, and sure. it's going to hurt everybody else. It's it's no different from. Uh, being a broadcaster to being a preacher to being a lawyer. I mean, there's always going to be somebody out there who's going to ruin it for everybody else because they behave unethically. But, you know, discipline, people misunderstand what discipline is. Uh, they asked me years ago, hey, uh, what are you going to do to reduce discipline numbers in your school? I said, nothing. What are you talking about? Reduce discipline numbers. You mean write less referrals? Well, yeah. I said, why? What? Why does that data piece mean so much to you that you want me to reduce referrals? Those are opportunities to connect with kids. Yeah. You don't have to kick them out of school every time they do something wrong. No, of course not. But a referral should be a teacher saying, this student is not following the instruction or the rules that I've established in my classroom. Okay. And so that we're, we're sending them to an administrator for this kind of uh, discipline or corrective behavior, if you will. That corrective behavior could be a chewing out. It could be a couple of licks with a paddle, or it could be a, all the way up to expulsion, depending on the severity. But it's an opportunity. And so I tell them, I'm not, I'm not doing anything. I hope I continue to get referrals because that means the system, the, the machine, what we call a school, the machine is working smoothly because, you know, you've done, you've done your due diligence as a teacher in the classroom. And now you're sending them to us because you think that you need a little more support with that student. And then we should be the ones responsible for whether that student thrives in that environment. Or it doesn't. Well, you- you know, and, and this isn't this isn't a knock at you or any other administrators ah, in the go. county. Here we go. But if I'm a student today and I get in trouble and you send me home for out of school suspension for two or three days, I'm going on vacation. Yeah. It's not now, if you send me to Saturday school, that's a different story because now you're ruining a whole that's a whole Saturday that's ruined for me as a teenager. I went to Saturday school. I got sent to Saturday school. Um you know, I just, I, I, I just don't think though you're gonna you're, you're gonna get the point across by sending somebody home for three days when they're probably gonna be at home alone and they're gonna play video games, do whatever they want. Right. Well, I, I, you'll hear me say this. I've said it a hundred times. I'll say it again. What we're not doing well in all of education across the country is uh, challenging and and or inciting the parents to do a better job parenting. Yes. My, I've got four kids. 
I've got one in high school still. She's never had a referral, makes A's and B's, made all A's the other day on her, on her progress report, I think, came home very proud. We spent time with her acknowledging how happy and proud of her we were. Um, and I've had three others that went that are out of high school, out of college, and in the in the workforce, uh, fam, have a family, and they're doing fantastic. So if if I can do it, and I had a very tumultuous uh, training, if you will, from my parents, and I had a very tumultuous up to high school. I, it was very tumultuous for me. I, I mean, if you look at my transcripts, you wouldn't be impressed at all. And I told you before, the only reason I actually completed high school was sports really kept me in high school, kept me interested in coming to school every day, or I probably would not have graduated. Uh, so we have to be able to have the freedom because parents, some parents are not doing a good job because they're limited in their capacity. And some parents just refuse to do a good job. And see, uh, it, it, I, I come from a family full of educators, uh, two uncles, my mother, uh, ball, they, they coach ball, uh, and you said something that I think you hit the nail on the head. You guys cannot raise these kids. Now you can influence them. You can you can you know educate them. You can you can love them like they're your own. But at the end of the day, what happens at home is a very very important part of a child excelling in this system. Right, right, a hundred percent. And so, getting back to like the original thing that you know, in my experience. Ninety-seven point five percent of the parents care very much. Absolutely, are putting, are p- trying their best to pour in. Sometimes you can do everything by the book, so to speak, and your kid just is gonna t- be challenging to raise. Sure, and they may go off and do God knows what. Um, chances are, if you're doing it by the book and you're doing everything you can, your child is going to grow up and be fine. Uh, they're they may not graduate uh, valedictorian. They may not go on to you know, be the president, but they're going to do fine. They're going to be great people in our society, uh, whether that no matter what their job is. I don't really talk to kids a lot about uh, their money making potential. Uh, that's a very small part of my counseling conversations with kids over the years. My biggest conversation with kids over the years is here's what you're going to face when you get out of here. And here's why I act the way I act in my schools is because I want you to understand the challenges beyond college or career when you get out of high school, because they're coming, you're not going to be able to slow them down. So how are you being trained up until this point? And what I have found a lot, a lot of kids aren't trained for that, but they love the the concept of us being transparent and real with them. So they know what to expect when they get out of high school. How much does your background in psychology really help you do what you do? Well, that's a that's a great question. I think it helps uh, tremendously. Although I wouldn't say that my degrees in psychology, I wouldn't point to the degrees and the knowledge that I gained in college earning those degrees. I go back to, I go back to my childhood and thinking to myself, like I have what I would consider, I, I in some ways abusive stepfathers and neglectful mothers, the way I would describe it. Although I can also sit here and tell you the ways my mom loved us and did everything she could to support us, right? So I didn't have that white picket fence where dad came home and yeah. put his hat down and said, how was y'all's day? I didn't have that. Most kids don't have that. So when I look back at the, the adults in my life that poured into me, I learned psychology starting off from an early age. Uh, is this normal that I'm seeing this, or is this normal that I'm hearing this? And then as you get older, you realize 
normal or not normal, uh, uh, problematic or not problematic. And then you go on. And so the, the, the rest is kind of history. So you get out, I get out, I go get my deg- couple of degrees in psychology and counseling. And, but ultimately for me, what has helped me is just that desire. I love kids. I've always, some, someone told me the other day, you would be a horrible elementary principal and they're, they're entirely wrong. I would just turn a different switch. Yeah. It'd be a different switch I turn because I love, I love the little kids too. Uh, and I would just turn a different switch. I can't help the way I, my facial expressions are. That's just, a, uh, that's just a, my face, my resting face. But I think that uh, the psychology piece, because when kids come to you uh, in school, they're typically not coming to you to find out how they can make a better grade. They're typically coming because they have a real problem outside of school or even in school. And then that background, and then my law enforcement background, 10 years in law enforcement, you really become a, you're dealing with all sorts of people. You're, de- you're seeing everything society can throw at you. You're, you're witnessing firsthand. And that comes extremely in handy when you're working with kids and families that otherwise don't really have a clue. Well, I think a lot of people need to remember, regardless of how old these kids are, they're, they're still kids. Children, and yeah. They're, yeah, they're children, and uh, they're going to make mistakes. And uh, But th- that's part of the learning process. I mean, like you said, I am, I'm where I'm at in my life because of, of things that happened to me and, and, and the mistakes I made as a kid. They were, you know, I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't change. And there were some really tough things that happened to me. Uh, but I wouldn't change it for the world because it, it it made me who I am today, and that sounds like that's exactly what you've done in your life with the experiences that you've had. It led you to where you are now. I'll, I will pull out my high school transcripts on, on occasion, uh, depending on the scenario, and I'll show kids, and they'll they'll look at me like, really? Uh, yeah, I'm like your your transcripts look better than mine did. I was just fortunate enough. I had the Marine Corps to train me. I really didn't have, I had just a very little training uh, all the way through high school. And I've mentioned this before. It's like when there are people in your life that are supposed to be trustworthy and they're supposed to pour into you goodness and uh, character, honor, integrity. And I had a lot of people that didn't do that. And so a lot of our kids in schools have a ton of people who are taking care of their basic needs, but they're not pouring anything else in them. And I'm not... I'm not in, I'm not uh, convicting those people because sometimes they're just doing everything they possibly can, and maybe they don't have time to pour in a character lesson or a life lesson. On the contrary, my my children, even my adult children, make fun of me all the time because I'm always trying to pour in a life lesson because, you know, my son's 28. Uh, well, I've been 28, and I want him to know what it's going to be like when he's 35 if he maybe doesn't consider these few things. I'm still doing that, and they make fun of me all the time. Uh, my students make fun of me all the time uh, for doing that and, and some of the things I say on the intercom. The irony of all that is that I remember the adults that were supposed to pour into me that didn't, and they kind of, you know, it was it was dependent on whether I was doing X, Y, and Z, whether or not I got their attention or their uh, basically them educating me to say, hey, Mike, you, do you realize you have the capacity to go in the military and, and do well? Do you realize you have the capacity to go into law enforcement and do well? Go on to get your doctorate degree and then have a wife and kids and just really have a, a really amazing life. No, that conversation never took place in my history. And so that's why I'm insistent on having those conversations and making sure my team 
have the kind of, those kind of conversations with our students in our in school, no matter where I'm at. And that's why talking about your the original question is that there that's happening every day all over the country, even in schools where they, you know, they might find a gun today in a particular school. I don't know. And and then that's a big story. They found a gun in the school. Yeah, and that's terrible. And we need to do we need to do something about that. Continue to learn and do something about that. But that was that one day. Yeah. The rest of the week, I guarantee you there were great things happening in that one school. Uh and so I wanted I want listeners to know that uh you know, I have a lot of um admiration and respect and a lot of faith in this generation of students to grow up and still be ethical young people growing up into adults that have character and will take our society on to bigger and better things. Well, I, I think it, to me, it sounds like, you know, what you're saying is too about, you know, your team and, and your approach is um, they're children and they deserve grace. You know, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to let you down, and adults are going to let them down. Uh, their teachers at times could let them down, uh, but you got to have grace. Well, people want to come at me sometimes because they, they think I'm so hardcore, and I guess uh, I, I, I understand that. I, don't, I, I understand why they think that, but a lot of times people think that because they need that. They need to set that up so then they can be defensive or whatever, but what they don't realize is that uh, when you come see me or I'm, I'm interacting with your child, uh, I'm doing everything I can. I know how to make sure your child is safe, supported, encouraged, loved. And that's, ha- again, that's happening. There's, there, I know thousands of educators that are doing that every single day, and they're doing it under conditions that aren't always equal and they're not always fair. And they're doing it under conditions when they know they could go down the road to a different district or to a different business and probably make more money and those kind of things. So we're starting to see some progress. Uh, Governor Lee and his initiatives uh, starting to see some progress with teacher salaries, which is a great thing. I know Murray County has done a great job with uh, teacher salaries uh, in their most recent um, pay study. So those are some really important steps, and it's not like they're doing that to – well, partly they're doing it to be able to recruit highly qualified teachers, but it's it's been a long time coming, and so we, we still have a ways to go. Yeah, and I think it was announced uh, Governor Lee is wanting some legislation passed through the state to make it where teachers get a baseline salary starting out at $50,000. Yeah. that That's fantastic. Well, if you're a teacher – and I've had – I've had teachers over the years come to me and say, what can I do to make more money, but I don't want to be a principal or an assistant. They don't want to be an administrator, but they want to be kind of in a leadership role. And it's, it's great to be able to tell them, hey, if you, if you stay as a teacher and you retire at 30 years, you'll top out at 90000 a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's respectable. I mean, that's reasonable. I mean, and then, but it's hard if you say, well, if you stay a teacher for 30 years with all the variables that impact teaching, uh, you can, you're only going to top out at 50000 then they know that their retirement's not going to be a much. They're going to have to work in retirement. And so that's fantastic. 50000 is re- very, very respectable mm-hmm. that the minimum is fifty, and you can work your way probably up to seventy five to ninety five or 100 by the time you retire and just stay in the classroom. With great benefits as well. Great benefits, I mean, and, and great love for what you're doing. You know, I, I try to tell people all the time, you know, you're, you're getting $50,000 a year, but you got summers. Spring break, fall break, Christmas break, Thanksgiving break. You got a lot of time off. And snow days. Snow days and, and, uh, and thunderstorm, thunderstorm days. days yeah. Uh, like, like today. Uh, and so, yeah. But what it really boils down to, Clayton, is that 
the what I've seen over the years, I think my listeners can t- will can tell that I'm very transparent. I don't mind speaking my mind at all about anything, but I'm very transparent about this. Uh, but in my experience all over from w- any walk of life that I've been in, uh, the vast, vast majority of teachers are fantastic. They're in it for the love of children, and they get it. Uh, they just want to be supported and defended uh, and be able to do their job at, a, at the highest level uh, of integrity. And at that end, they want to be able to make a living doing it. Absolutely. So we're going to go on our break right now. So thank you for listening to American Steel. We'll be back shortly on WKOM FM 101.7. Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. And I'm Michael Parks Lawrence at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Together, we're Mr. Bobby Parks' grandsons, and we run his dealership, and we are glad to be part of our local community. Being family-owned and operated, we invest heavily in our community. We do things like sports teams, schools, bands, you name it. We try to help everybody we can. The reason why we do this is because we all love this community. So come do business with us, your neighbors, at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee, right off Nashville Highway, or at ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. A while back, I told you a story about Packer, our mascot, that Don found in the garbage truck after someone had thrown her out. Well, since then, I've been asked several times about Packer. Is she a dog or is she a cat? I guess I never thought to say, but she's a pit bull mix. And you can see a picture of her sitting in the driver's seat of Don's service truck on our website, garbagemaninc.com. Do you suffer from knee pain? Is it painful to walk or perform your day-to-day activities? If so, we have great news at the Dr. Gill Center. We can relieve your knee pain fast and easy with no downtime and no surgery. The FDA has approved a new non-surgical treatment for knee pain, and it's covered by most major insurance, including Medicare. This treatment has helped millions of people across the nation. Call today to see if you qualify for a free consultation and get back to a pain-free life. 615-551-9224. People often ask about the initials after mine and Monty's names. Those initials are CFP, Certified Financial Planner. As a CFP, we will do our best to help you in the attainment of your financial goals while protecting those assets with proper insurance coverage. We encourage the team approach of holistic financial planning by working alongside your CPA and attorney. This is Gay Pike with Caledonian Financial in historic downtown Columbia. Let's make a plan. Securities and investment advisory services offered through NBC Securities Incorporated. Member FINRA and SIPC. Front Porch Radio is Southern Middle Tennessee's home for the best in news, talk, and sports. Missed out on any favorite Front Porch programs? Check us out online at frontporchradiotn.com to download episodes of your favorite podcast. Listen live or listen online. Search for it on your favorite podcast app. iTunes, Spotify, Google, and Amazon Alexa. Join us on the porch. Frontporchradiotn.com. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. You're listening to Front Porch Radio, 1017 WKOM, Columbia. 
Welcome back to American Steel. Uh, Clayton, that was a great first segment talking about how fantastic really our public education system is and can we learn and do we have areas to grow? Absolutely. Uh, so a lot of times also, and to just kind of wrap this piece up uh, for our listeners, you know, you just can't, you can't look at a school and take the end of year data and then formulate an entire opinion about a particular school or a particular teacher or principal. There's many variables that impact that. Uh, for example, we can't control the weather. So if we miss five instructional days because of weather, that's a variable. It may not be the most crucial variable, but it's still a variable where five instructional days are missing. Uh, and then you factor in, uh, I don't really buy into it as much, but there was learn- there definitely was learning loss during that year of virtual. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is going to be some validity to that. Uh, you know, and that's one of those things going back again. So, you know, uh, I remember making sure that uh, my, my daughter – my student at home was doing her work and was staying abreast of everything. And I think even she probably wished that she was uh, in person and uh, as far as the learning loss goes. But, hey, a lot of great things, mostly by a long shot, mostly great things happening in our public school system. Well, kind of shifting gears a little bit, but I still want to talk to you about the psychology okay. piece in your experience in it uh, and how it applies to, to, to just us as a country. Um there's been a lot happening. Yeah, you, you had the State of the Union uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, that was uh, contentious, I guess would be a good word. Um, you had the China spy balloon, uh, and then you had um, our president who, in my opinion, has probably uh, has seen better days. Um, he's 80 years old, uh, oldest president we've ever had. Uh, what are your thoughts about where the American psyche is at right now? Yeah, so what do you do when you have, potentially, you have spy balloons? You've never seen that. You're younger than I am. I've never heard of that in my days where another country had the audacity to send any object over our airspace, uh, particularly a spy balloon. Eh, And they played it down like it was really nothing, but it was really something because they would have never done that under other presidents. They would have never done that. And so for our president, and again, I said it before, I'll say it again. I mean, hey, you know, I'm a warrior. I believe in our, I believe in our system. I believe in, I love our country. Uh, but if they perceive him as weak and there's no way, there's no, absolutely no way that you cannot look at our president and not perceive him as weak. Nobody. And I know you got people out there and, and you got this, uh, his public speaker lady out there just, you know, doing everything she can to, to just not boldly lie to the American people. But our president is, um, you know, he's an injured fish in the water and the sharks are surrounding him. And nobody has the courage or the guts on that side of the aisle, the Democratic side of the aisle, to call that out and say, hey, we better stop the bleeding uh, in a many ways for our country or it's going to get to a point where it's going to be 50 years before we can recover. You know, I, I feel like, and this may be a little off topic, but you, you're saying nobody has the guts to say anything. I, I feel like the, I feel like his party is attacking him, but they're doing it through his son. And I think ultimately what you're going to see is an indictment. And I just wonder if that's their play to maybe get somebody else to run in 24. But one has to ask themselves, who's on the bench that can run? You know, who do they have that, 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 I mean, no, you know, our vice president, I just don't, I don't see her winning a national election. 
um, she's not going to win. She, w- I don't think she. Of course, you know, weirder things, stranger things have happened, but I don't think she would ever even get the nomination. And that, I think that's a across all uh, all uh, attitudes of people. But it, but we've we've seen uh, we've seen the last couple of years. You don't. It doesn't matter who they get right because if they're allowing the election process to go the way it goes, where you can anybody can vote for whatever reason, and you could have all of a sudden eight thousand votes show up miraculously. I mean, you know, there's definitely questions about the last election. Well, yeah, you you go to bed at 11 o'clock at night, and one candidate has a huge lead. Right. You wake up at 7 a.m., and all of a sudden, the late-night dumping of ballots just happens to make up that entire uh, difference in votes— I just don't think a lot of people are buying that. Well, the the thing about it is, is that I don't even. You know what? I, I'm so I'm I'm so sick of that because if you're so uh, hell bent on getting your way and you don't want to confront um, the fact that Hunter Biden was making a hundred thousand a year roughly by the by Ukraine, that he's been in bed with China, that they've made billions of dollars as a family, and and they they nobody will ask them about that or hold them accountable for it. Of course, he's compromised. Of course, our president is compromised by probably several countries. But but what's so upsetting to me, just as an American citizen, you had fifty one national intelligence people from our military, from the CIA, from the FBI that came out and said, this is all Russian disinformation. This laptop thing isn't real. That was just a blatant lie to the American people to protect the big man or the big guy uh, right before the election. I mean, I I just, one of my biggest pet peeves is hypocrisy. And I know for a fact that if Eric Trump had a laptop and had the same dealings that he had, he would be in prison right now. Yeah, he would absolutely be in prison. Well, also on the on, on the news today, they were making a big deal that Biden uh, said something called uh, the the new uh, Maryland governor boy boy yeah yeah if trump had done that it'd be it would go on for weeks and front page weeks, news front page news weeks and weeks and you'd have all this well what it boils down to is survival really is like these uh these weak cowardice uh in quote unquote intel agents that confirmed it was russian disinformation just cowards trying to survive in a in a world they don't have the intestinal fortitude or the integrity to to live on their own two feet or to be successful or excellent on their own two feet so they they cower down and and that's what you see all too often, you see cowards uh, doing things just for survivability. Speaking of psychology, you know, I feel like young people, they're, 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 they can be so, um, you know, they trust and they love the people that are teaching them. For students who are there that, that want to learn. And you look at when the kids go off to college, they get indoctrinated with this spin uh, by a particular teachers, you know, mostly in history and uh, political science, if they take those courses in college, uh, and, and it leaves an impression in their head. And, and I just wonder, how, how do we get that balance back? I feel like the education system, after after you get out of high school, I'm, I'm talking, you know, college level and higher, there, there there's almost this agenda that they want these students to go out after they get out of their classes and be these activists. Uh, and, and it's almost like they're, they're not getting the full story of this country, what it's about, and what you know the two parties are about. And, and the 
factual truths about the two party two parties that we have because uh, it really surprises me that people will go along with this and not research and find out about you know who is who is really opposed to this who is really for this they're just taking the word of a of a professor at a community college or a, or a university or a college without really finding the true truth about what they're being taught well, right. I and mean, if you look back on history, when we were in the Depression and then we went to war and we we, uh, we surrounded each other in industry as Americans, uh, as patriots, we surrounded each other and, and the country built itself up to be the strongest country. It's unfortunate that we have to protect ourselves, that every country is on, on having to protect themselves, but there is no such thing as a utopia on earth. And so we have to protect ourselves. There are enemies out there. Listen, if you're listening to this, speak to your, speak to your children about the potential enemies that we have out there. Now they're flying balloons over our country. There, there will come a time in the next 20 years, say, that, that there, somebody parachutes into our country and does, tries to do whatever. I mean, so without having that stability in our security, uh, we are going to be uh, having kids that are um, impressionable and are thinking that, hey, we don't really have a need to have a border wall or we don't really have a need to have that much security for our country. And then you're going to wake up in 100 years and the language is going to be Mandarin Chinese if you're not yeah. careful. Absolutely, and, and and look at our debt. Look, right. look, look at look at the debt that we're in as a, as a society, and we have hundreds of thousands of people coming into this country, um, you know, every few months. We just can't sustain this much longer. No, no, we're not going to be able to sustain it much longer. And I don't. I forgot how much we owe uh, it, China. It, it's or, close. Close. We're, we're getting close to thirty trillion in debt. Thirty trillion in debt. Well, you know, I, I heard a comedian say, we're, ne- we're never going to pay that back. So, I mean, we, they, we need to move on from that and never pay that back because, you know, what they owe us or what we owe them, that kind of thing. The, it, what it boils down to is that we want to live in the United States of America, the land of the free, home of the brave, and we want to live a certain way. We love our – you heard it before. We love our outdoor barbecues. We love our music. We love our cultures. We love uh, the melting pot of what we call America. We love freedom. We love freedom of speech. We love the right to own own and operate guns, those kind of things. All those things are at risk if um, people don't start waking up. Well, the only way the border is going to get closed is if the party in charge finds out that eventually down the road that the people coming across the border don't support them but support the other party. That's when you'll see them shut the border down. Yeah. Yeah, well, I because, mean – Because I think what they're finding out is uh, – a lot of these folks that have been here that maybe came across a decade or two ago are trending more to the other side than actually with them. And uh, a lot of it has to do with just, you know, values and, and uh, the way the way they look at things. And it's a mess. I've recently met several people, probably five or ten people from uh, California and Portland, and they've left because they said it's just getting so ridiculous. So Absolutely. It'll be, a, it'll be a cycle where – they're going to leave, and then California, Portland, some of these some of these cities who uh, want to defund the police and, and do that kind of thing, they're going to start begging for help when they realize that they're they're now victims of crime as opposed to other other citizens in their area. While they go back to their mansions that nobody knows how they afforded, uh, and they have somewhat protection with a gated community, perhaps uh, when they start being victims of crimes, they'll start reaching out for help. But I, I'm I'm proud of those citizens that have left those states because 
of just the nonsense by the politicians in those states to not want to fund the police and protect their citizens. Well, again, I, I go back to my pet peeve, which is hypocrisy. You see all these people calling for open borders and this and that. And, you know, they, they sent they sent a group up to uh, Martha's Vineyard. Yeah. And, man, they threw a fit. Sure. They threw a fit. Get them off the island. You know, and they did. Within, within a day or two, they were gone. Uh, you see uh, Governor Abbott in Texas sending people up to New York City. All of a sudden, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, uh, they're kind of getting a taste of their own medicine. They're, they're seeing what these border states are having to deal with. And, again, I, I just I hate hypocrisy. I, I absolutely hate it. Um, I've never, you know, I, I can remember in high school when 9-11 happened and how the country kind of rallied together. And um, President Bush at the time, I think, had over a 90% approval rating, which yeah. is just incredible. Right. That will never happen again, in my opinion. We are so divided now. Um, it's it's really scary You, you because you, it's almost like we have two countries. It's either one way or another. And um, there's just no, no – and that's why, you know, I wanted to talk to you about the, where – where is this country at mentally? I feel like there's just been a line drawn in the sand, and you're either on one side or you're on the other. Yeah, I think mentally, uh, you know, that probably just rude numbers, 33% are confused and really don't know what to think, and so they are influenced by what they hear uh, right. on the media. Uh, most of the media is corrupt. Correct. So, you know, what they're feeding, those 33 impressionable percentage of, of citizens – uh, there's no telling where they're going to end up if they ever end up in a voting booth. And then there, uh, there's another 33% that wants this country to remain strong and steadfast, the strongest country, also the most compassionate country, the, a country that would reach out to other parts of the world to help during natural disasters or if other parts of the world needed uh, security and defense from uh, tyranny. Uh, and then you got 33%, I guess, who feel like uh, we need to have a, a different way of living and they want to change everything that we've created here in the United States of America, and they're working overtime. They're working more than the other 66%. They're working overtime to see it go down that road, and you're doing all sorts of things that, uh, you know, one of the things you mentioned, I don't, I make sure, I'm teaching a psychology class on Monday nights, and I check in with my students almost, almost weekly to make sure, hey, you're not, you're not just listening to what I'm saying, are you? You're, you're, you're learning on your own. I'm not trying to indoctrinate you into the way Mike Steele thinks, but I'm giving you different points of view to consider. Are you researching that stuff on your own? And then I check in with him too. How many of you believe what I told you last week about Freud or Adler or Young? And they'll raise their hand. I'm saying, why did you believe that? Well, because you're the teacher and you're teaching that. And I try to teach them to think for themselves. I'm going to share information with them about general psychology. Uh, We're going to take some tests. I'm going to grade you and you're going to go on with those three credits. But how have you vetted what I'm telling you. And so what I try to do is just encourage them all the way through their college career to take everything they're hearing with a grain of salt and learn for themselves and not necessarily be influenced by what the professors are saying. Well, it's something I always asked myself when I was younger. I grew up listening to talk radio. Um, I used to listen to a libertarian by the name of Neil Bortz out of Atlanta, and they they put his show on in Nashville. Um, they, he used to come on at like at 9 or 10 o'clock at night, and I would lay in bed and listen to it. And I always, I always thought before I got into the radio business, I thought, you know, you hear conservative talk, you hear call-in shows, but you never hear about a liberal show or a liberal call-in show. Uh, in Air America, I think it started in the early 2000s and lasted maybe a year. But there's a reason why. 
and I don't want to get into to that reason, but if you're out there listening and you're a young person, that's a great question and something I would research. Why isn't there a call-in or, or liberal talk shows on radio or in general? And there's a reason, and, and I think people need to look into that more um, because, again, uh, I can't name one. I think Alec Baldwin had a show that lasted two months. He had, I think he had an eruption on there, and that was the end of it. Right. That guy's a loose cannon anyway, so yes, he is. He's got he's got other issues. To yes, deal he's with. got his own problems to worry about. But I just if you're out there riding around listening or you're listening to the podcast, investigate why there's not much liberal talk radio out there. Well, I find it uh, going back to the psychology of our country. You're you're seeing an increase in mental health illness. Some of it is. Uh, malingering if you will uh a lot of it is is authentic and real but it's because we are we having to fight to be able to teach our kids to be mentally tough uh and for ourselves to be mentally tough i mean some of the things that you know uh depression or anxiety and those kind of things a lot of those things can be mitigated in other ways but if you're just sitting home and listening to the news and you don't know whether it's true or false and they're telling you we've got balloons or we have ufos uh, being shot down over the country uh, that can make you anxious unless you're learning how to research for yourself or take care of yourself so you don't have to feel anxious or depressed those kind of things so it's pretty sad when you can't trust the vast majority of your media sources correct and you look at all the polling out there most americans don't they don't try they, they don't and you look at what at&t slash direct tv's just done by removing newsmax yeah that ought to that ought to raise some questions for some people. Let's 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 find out why they've yeah. gotten rid of Newsmax. Yeah, is Trump still trying to create a communications company? Uh, he still got True Social, okay. uh, which is a, a social media platform. But uh, isn't it incredible how they have silenced him since he's been out of office? Yeah, I mean they have literally. Uh, now I know he just got restored last week by mm-hmm. Facebook and Instagram, and of course Elon Musk reinstated him on Twitter. But you think about all the things that were on Twitter post-ban, tro- po- post-Trump ban. For example, you had the Ayatollah of Iran stating death to America. Right. His account didn't get suspended. Right. It's incredible. It's, incre- it's just like this chat AI stuff. Have you, have you seen this? I have seen that. It's biased. You know, it, someone posted and Musk uh, commented about it. They asked the chat AI, uh, can you give me a poem? Talking about the you know the, the the good things that Donald Trump did, and he gave this explanation that you know we don't we're not biased we don't get into pol- this and that. They asked the same question with Joe Biden, and it gave about a three paragraph poem. Yeah, I mean come on. Yeah, I mean I mean come on. All right. Well, the the fact of the matter is is that Trump uh, or anybody like Trump is going to oppose. Uh, taking advantage of American citizens in in any facet, whether it's prescription drugs or whether it's all sorts of different things, they're going to be looking at ways, uh, for instance, DeSantis. I mean, DeSantis is a military man, done a great job in Florida. And there are going to be groups of people that attack that because it impacts them personally. But our listeners should know and be at it. I'll give you a good example. Like a lot of times I'll send emails out to, when I get up in the morning, I get up pretty early. I'll send an email or a text to five or 10 people just because I'm thinking about them and I would encourage them that day. And so a lot of times they'll say, and I'll type out a paragraph, just a real encouraging paragraph at four 30 in the morning and they'll respond, but they'll respond just back to me. They won't reply all. 
And that's what I think our country needs to start doing is replying all. Because what they need to do is quit telling individuals over the dinner table or quit telling your your coworker at work how frustrating things are in America. Start speaking out to your politicians. And, you know, I'm not saying become a nuisance, but I'm saying rise to the level to where you are almost a nuisance about what you believe in. Because, you know, years ago when Trump, he just, he was, ended up being president and I, you know, you can, you can email the president. I don't know if he ever reads it or whatever, but I, I emailed Trump years ago. And I said, will you please just shut up? <laughs> I said, please just shut up, sir. I mean, you're, you're doing great things for our country, but then you're, you're going a little bit backwards. Be strate- I told him, be strategic. Everything you're saying is not untrue, but the way you're saying it, you know, they talk about, well, he had kids in cages at the border. Well, no, he didn't. We all know that Obama created that whole thing. Correct. We all, we already know that. Convincing people that don't want to be convinced of that is a different story, but you're definitely not going to convince them with some of the rhetoric. And I, of course, I never got an email back. I was hoping I'd get an email invitation from Trump to come back, but never did. But we have to care about what we're doing in this country, and I think we're starting to see that come back around. But that's what we explore here on American Steel. So we're going to take another break, folks. Thank you for listening to American Steel on Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7 FM. We'll be right back. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can always count on us for a great selection of late model, low mileage, one owner vehicles. All have been thoroughly inspected and are ready to go. You can even save time and buy online with our online shopping tool. Looking to sell your vehicle? Great news! We're paying top dollar for your trade. All makes, all models, and in any condition. Trade in and trade up today. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can count on us. I received this beautiful ring, but it needs to be sized. Where should I go? Tillis Jewelry, of course. We will be happy to size your ring no matter where it was purchased. Each of our goldsmiths have over 30 years' experience. Tillis Jewelry's repair shop is in store and always on time. Stop by and let us give you a free estimate today. Tillis Jewelry, downtown Columbia and Lewisburg. Owned and operated by Rick, custom designer, and Terry, registered gemologist. Assuring you the best jewelry value and expert services. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. This is Trip Stoltz, owner and manager of Columbia Ace Hardware. Did you know that Columbia Ace Hardware carries Magnolia Home Paint by Joanna Gaines? Columbia Ace Hardware is the only Magnolia paint dealer in town. Now their premium quality and huge selection of colors will be right in your neighborhood, along with the award-winning service and advice Ace has always provided for your paint projects. Come see us at Columbia Ace Hardware and Power Equipment. We will be glad to help you. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years' experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. 
This is Dr. Mike Steele. Tune in to American Steel, a weekly discussion of topics and events related to the challenges in our world. Listen as we examine the path to relevance and truth in our society and culture. You can catch the show on 101.7 WKOM at 7 p.m. on Sundays. Also, we can be found online at WKOM Radio or on Twitter at WKOM WKRM. See you on Sunday. This is Coach Mike, and you're listening to the best radio in southern middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia, Tennessee. Hey, welcome back to American Steel. I hope that you're sharing uh, American Steel with uh, friends and family, and you're just uh, really pushing that out there and sharing it. I had a caller over the week, which was fantastic, and uh, she wanted to know my thoughts on why people fail. And I think that you can take that uh, question and you can also flip it around and ask yourself why people succeed. And we've kind of been talking uh, for the first 40 minutes here about uh, the success and or failure of our public school systems and our government and where, where people are yeah, mentally, uh, psychologically in our country. And I want, I'll want i share this with you about why I think people fail. And I think it boils down to really one thing, a couple of one thing, and that is fear. Uh, fear or the lack of courage, basically the same thing. Uh, but fear of the unknown, uh, fear of getting into a space where they might be or feel like they're alone or they feel like they don't have enough leadership capacity or integrity to carry out whatever it is they want to carry out. I get people asking me all the time, well, I want to go back to school, but I just don't have the time or the money, and that's just an excuse. Now, I've got people saying, hey, I want to get uh, more fit, but I just don't have the time and to go to the gym and those kind of things. And I listen to a lot of different uh, motivational stuff over the week, throughout the week. I'm fond of uh, uh, John Maxwell. I'm fond of uh, Ed Milet. I'm fond of all these folks. Uh, they align exactly to, to with me and my and my way of thinking. And I heard the other day someone said that you know you're not getting these things done because you're not desperate for them. I mean. If you were desperate to breathe, you would find a way to breathe. Uh, and if you weren't desperate enough, then you would lose that battle. And I think we have to be desperate for things in order to be successful in them. And I'm not just talking about average success. I think average, the mindset of average is a betrayal. And I think people are okay with average or and being complacent with just average. And so... Uh, this is why people fail. They're afraid. They're afraid of uh, taking uh, risk. They're afraid of what they don't know is going to happen, but what they think is going to happen if they fail. Uh, and they don't realize that failure uh, is a part of success. Absolutely. I, I, I want to read, read a quote to you okay. and just get your response. And this was a quote by Nick Saban. Mediocre people don't like high achievers and high achievers don't like mediocre people. Yeah, as far as like, liking them, I know some mediocre people that really struggle with trying to do better, and, and I'm trying to help them build the uh, the brain capacity and the you know basically just the guts to get their butts up in the morning and get things done. Uh, so can't really buy into Saban's quote a hundred percent. I get what he's saying. He's uh, you know mediocre people produce mediocre results. Yeah. I, I'm more comfortable with that. Uh, high achieving people produce high, more high achieving results. 
uh, the balance, Clayton, the balance of all that is to be able to produce high achieving results and then defining what those are for you. For example, uh, I don't think for me, you know, making $10 million would be fantastic, but that's not my barometer for high achieving results, right? Right. I want to be as genuine and as authentic as I can be. I want to be respected for being as genuine and as authentic as I can be that the truth and the integrity comes out just on my daily walk. I want, like you, I want to be the best husband, father, principal, uh, professor, whatever I'm doing. I want to be the best I can be at it. I want to be in the top 1%. I preach that a lot, being in the top 1%. There's nothing wrong out there, folks. Tell your kids, tell your kids to listen. There's nothing wrong with being in the top 1%. And it's it, it's 100% achievable and, and doable. So uh, Saban has certainly created a success for himself in the college football coaching arena for sure. So I can't entirely discount his comment. Another great quote of his if you want to make people happy, sell them ice cream. Well, that's true. But listen, what I really would like to move away from, not away from 100%, is I know you're a Bama fan. That's right. Can, can you give me some Bobby Bowden quotes, please? Because I grew up with Bobby Bowden, who to me is the greatest football coach of all time. Started his career at Samford, Samford. Uh, University. Okay, yeah. so at least he's from Alabama. That's right. Coaching in Alabama. Oh, he was a great man. Great man. He was a great man. Bobby Bowden spoke at my high school uh, football banquet, and then years later I got to meet him on a couple of different occasions. And uh, – He's a fa- he's a fantastic man. I, you know the thing about Nick Saban, um, nobody's coming back years later to say he's anything but authentic. Which I I, I think his leadership uh, speaks to that. You know he they might come back and say he's hard or he's always mad or I don't know, but they're never going. No one has come back to say he was unethical. Right. And I I love that about Nick Saban. I love that about a lot of our coaches in uh, high school and uh, and college. And I think if your kids can come back, your athletes uh, can come back years and years later after they're out of the game and they are, uh, they have their own families, and they can come back and say, that coach or that teacher had this impact on me, uh, then that's fantastic. Well, and you also you, you look at – we were talking earlier how kind of things that happen early in our lives kind of shape you for who you become in the future. And you look at him coming from a, a small cold town in West Virginia um, – being raised by a very strict, disciplined father has kind of made him what he is today, too. So, yeah, well, he's driven, right? I mean, yeah. so for for you guys that are out there for listening, uh, you know, we answer the question why people fail, and it's it's one hundred percent fear, and then fear turns into excuses, and excuses turns into just complacency, and and then it turns into. Be, but to be successful, you have got to create that vision for yourself that you are so desperate for that nothing or you you allow nothing or nobody. To get in the way of that, you say, "Well, you know, I can't do this. I can't do that." That's an excuse, and that's not anything I, I even want to be around. You talk about complacent or mediocre, uh, you know, people. That that's mediocre right there. So, if you really want to be successful, if you really want to change the dynamic of of where you are, you know, things that happened in your past, they're relative. They're relevant for sure. I'm not saying forget about them. I'm saying draw energy from them. If you had abusive family, if you had this going on, neglectful, that kind of thing, all that's very, very relevant. All that makes you of who you are today. So if you're sitting there thinking, I want to be more, I can do more, but how do I do more? You can reach out to me here at WKOM, uh, and I will be glad to answer your questions on the air and or I can answer them in public. I just want to be part of a help, uh, helpful uh, situation for you. And, uh, you know, again, I certainly didn't have the perfect upbringing, but somehow 
I still continue to have vision for what I want, and I'm still desperate to be the best in whatever I'm trying to do. I want to thank you for uh, tuning in to this uh, episode of American Steel. I hope you're enjoying the podcast, folks. Please download it and please share with your friends and family and ask them to download American Steel. Clayton, as always, it's so much fun to just dialogue with you. I, I just... Uh, we don't even really know each other that well. We've only had a meal, a meal once or twice together. That's right. That'll, yeah. that'll improve. That'll increase. But uh, Front Porch Radio has been amazing. And listeners, you're listening to American Steel on Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7 FM on Sunday evenings at 7 p.m. And thank you for uh, downloading uh, this podcast.